Hey, so Steve, welcome back to the podcast. This is another race report episode. Fat Bike Berkey is less than two weeks away. I never created audio of that race report from last year, so I thought I would go out and kick out kick out the audio from last year's race report. So again, this is the audio version of my 2018 Fat Bike Berkey race. Uh, and if you haven't listened to these before, this is this is literally me going back to my old race report and for the most part reading back through it to create the audio. Uh, but I usually do have some additional thoughts, especially in hindsight as I read back through things that I've written in the past. Uh, it's short. Enjoy. And uh, if you're going to Fat Bike Berkey, enjoy. Have a good race. This was my second Fat Bike Berkey, and I had a little better overall finish than the previous year. That being said, I felt fairly miserable for most of the race. Just couldn't get my legs moving. They felt heavy, and I just took me a long time to get warmed up. Um, I like point-to-point races, but I will tell you it's really nice to finish in the same place that you started. Uh, the reason I do like the point-to-point races is I, I get bored with repeated laps of the same course, which is, is why I don't do a lot of like shorter course cross-country racing. Um, but anyway, so a course like this, the Fat Bike Berkey course with one big loop, is awesome because you kind of get to that point to point feeling where you, you know, you only ride the course once, uh, but you don't have to find a ride back to your car. So pretty awesome. So the course followed the American Berkey Beaner skate course out to double O and then it took the classic course in reverse back to the start. If you look in my race report, you can see the elevation profile from the course, but it's, it's constant up and down. There's very, very little flat areas of the course. My elevation gain on training peaks came out to just over 3,000 feet, um, which is a, a fair bit of climbing for a 30-mile course. On to the race. So I got it broken up into sections here. If you refer to my written race report, uh, you can find each section broken down basically from aid station to aid station. I have all the splits in there. I've got the map and then the elevation profile uh, in there. And I think the graph that yeah, has like the temperature and then also I think it has my heart rate in the, in the charted there too. Um, at any rate, the start of this race is, is awesome. It's such a, it's such a really wide trail. So the gate is super wide. So even if you're in like the second gate and I, I've got a couple notes I, I want to comments, I want to add to my report about this, but even if you're in like second gate or third gate, I mean, you end up rolling up. The course is so wide that everybody kind of rolls up and fills in. Um, you know, so you're actually not that many rows back um, once things get rolling. And I do remember during the rollout, one of the, uh, and I wrote this in my report, one of the gate, one guy's yelling back at people to stop moving up because it was a neutral rollout. So, I'm going to read what I wrote in my report, and then I got a comment I want to make about it because I don't really like what I wrote, to be honest with you. Um, so I had written in my report a year ago, not to poke, but I found it amusing in a couple of ways. For one, the trail is 50 feet wide, and people are going to fill in the gaps and squeeze up. If they don't, they'll just start losing spots to everybody else that is squeezing up. Secondly, what's that guy have to worry about if he's a gate one racer? Is he afraid some gate two guy might beat him? Anyway. I didn't see anything going on that was out of the ordinary for any other typical rollout. So I just wanted to add just more of a personal note to that. Um, I don't know if I wrote that like being a little bit funny last year or whatever it was, but um, I also want to make the comment that those, those folks that earn those gate one spots, 
they work their tails off and they work really, really hard to earn that preferred start, that gate one start, wave one start, elite start, whatever it is. Um, so no disrespect at all. I didn't, I didn't mean that when I wrote that. And, um, I mean, nobody's, nobody said anything about it, but I just, I hadn't read this report since I wrote it a year ago. I pulled it up cause I was going to make the podcast and I was reading through that and I was like, I don't really like that. I said that that way. So anyway, um, yeah, th- those, those folks work really, really hard for those gate one spots. So I, I, I respect the heck out of that. So, um, but, but anyway, yeah, so it's, it's a really wide trail. And, and I just remember the rollout last year. I remember it being quite a while before the snowmobile kind of let everybody cut loose. So yeah, everybody was just like kept inching forward and just filling in every empty space. And if you didn't like roll up on the wheel in front of you, you were going to lose your spot in the, in the group. So, but anyway, so the race was on and I was somewhere in the mix between the gate one and two folks as the pace started dialing up, we hit the first hill and then I knew it was bad. I didn't really feel the greatest anyway, but I just didn't have it and felt like I was going backwards. This whole first section is uphill and some downhill dips along the way. Things started spreading out fast and I went from being in this thing mentally for a decent race to damage control in a hurry. Um, I hadn't had a chance to warm my legs or loosen my legs before the race as I had gotten there just in time to get my number plate, chat with a couple folks and then drop my bike off in the gate. I wish I would have been able to spin the pedals for 10 minutes at least. In hindsight, it actually probably wasn't all that bad. When I look back, it's not like I was a slug, but I just wasn't feeling it that day. This went on really through pretty much the whole first half of the race. So on to Fire Tower. The overall elevation continues to gain, and I was remembering some of the hills from the American Berkey Boehner ski race a couple weeks prior. I struggled to get up the hills on my skis uh, at that time as well. From there to Bodecker, so you actually get to go downhill for quite a while, uh, and then a few rollers, and then you do have to climb back up to Bowdecker. Up to this point, it kind of felt like I was going backwards since the start of the race, but I, I got down on some of these downhills, gave my legs a little break. I think I was starting to warm up. My head wasn't quite in it yet, uh, but I was now about 45 minutes into the race, uh, and at the end of the day, I wasn't going to quit, even though I didn't want to be there at those moments. I wasn't suffering. I wasn't in pain. My hands weren't frozen. Uh, I was just tired and didn't have the legs that I wanted that morning. I think by the time I hit Bodecker, I was starting to come around from that, from the point of not wanting to be there to, well, I'm here and I just need to finish the job and get it done the best I can. Two double O and then back to Bodecker. So by the time I hit double O, my legs were actually starting to feel like they were ready to race, which probably kind of makes sense if you did a really solid, awesome warm up. I was starting to get my head into the game more. I made the turnaround at double O. I knew I was past halfway now and just needed to bring it home. I started working a little harder on the flats, taking some more risks in the downhills. The risk in the downhills was helping me pick up places and bringing back my motivation while stomping out the whiny negative attitude in my head. I still wasn't climbing well, but I was mentally getting back in the game. By the time I got back to fire tower, I was mentally in full race mode. About time as I was over an hour into the race, and wouldn't take much more than two hours to finish. On to Fire Tower. Because remember, the race takes the Berkey Beaner skate course out to double O, and then takes the classic ski course back, which is two different trails that kind of parallel each other. So I was starting to race harder now, 
you you can see you can see my my heart rate kind of climbing a little bit. Um, there's also for sure it's going to creep up throughout the race regardless. But um, yeah, I would I I was still struggling on the uphills, but I found myself fighting harder to stay with people versus just letting them go. Uh, and I think that gets in your head sometimes toward the beginning of the race, at least in mine. Right, if you're not feeling it, sometimes you'll just let somebody go. Uh, when your head's in it, you, you might push a little harder and you find a little bit more left in those legs and, uh, you, you, you stick on those wheels as you're going up those hills. So I was actually starting to race my bike, the note that I wrote in my race report. So to timber trail. So it's, you're going uphill a little bit and then it's for the most part trends all downhill from there. It's not all downhill cause there's, there's uphills throughout the entire thing, but you know, you lose elevation through this section. So I think I mentioned this in my ski race report, but these trails all kind of just blend together. Uh, it's not like single track where, you know, you remember very specific sections of the trail. Uh, this is wide groomed highway through the woods. It's amazing, but it does blend together for me. At least it does for me anyway. Uh, the further I got into this thing, the more serious I was feeling about racing. And I actually started making up some spots on the climbs now. I don't know whether that was the fatigue of others or me just working harder in my head getting in the game. I think it was a mix of both. From there to the finish. You keep thinking that it's all downhill from here, but I mentioned but like I mentioned earlier, it's all up and down. You might lose a overall elevation through a section of the course, but you are going to climb repeatedly on your way down. I was in race mode here. I think I continued picking off a few more spots on the way to the finish, but I was still struggling on the climbs. My legs were fried when I crossed the finish line, but I felt better in my head as well for having pulled things together and getting into race mode. I ended up finishing 83rd out of 486 racers with a time of two hours and seven minutes, which was 18 minutes behind the winner of the race. So I wrote in my little wrap-up, even though I didn't really enjoy the racing much, at least at the beginning, I enjoyed the day and the overall event. I was able to catch up with a bunch of folks that I either know from Cyclova uh, or from just getting out to the events. I also ran into Ben Wellneck from Mountain Bike Radio, which led into us recording a short podcast. There's a link to that in uh, my race report, my written race report. Uh, and then I just remember that specifically cause Ben did a bunch of podcasts. He had like maybe six different episodes, all a ton of tied around fat bike Berkey. But anyway, I wrote in here all said and done. This was probably one of the best winters I had had for winter sports in general. I had gotten out on my fat bike quite a bit last winter, went skiing a few times and did my first ski race. And, um, <laughs> what I was writing at this time last year was, all said and done, ready for a summer. So it had been a long winter. Thanks for listening, and there is some audio of the report. Enjoy.